Thank you for tuning in to Dope Vision Experience Podcast. I'm back on my virtual tour this week. I got a special guest. Um, this one of the guys I've been rocking with for a while. He introduced me to the stock market. He's going to drop a few gems in this episode, so I want you guys to really pay close attention. Uh, take your notepads out. If you need to hit rewind, please hit rewind, stop, pause, and play. Um, he's going to give you some great information, some great tips on how to get started in the stock market. I know this has been one of the things I've been wanting to kind of get out to you guys because I really think this is an opportunity for you know our people and our generation to really get involved in the stock market and understand how the stock market works and how we can make money from it and how we can benefit from it long term. As always, before I jump off any podcast, I like to let everybody know that it's still uh, justice for Breonna Taylor, Amar Arbery, and George Floyd. We haven't forgotten about you guys. Just because the cameras aren't shining bright on the situation anymore, we will still fight for the cause and we will still try to fight for your justice. So, you know, as always, keep me plugged in. Thank you for clicking that button and I'll go ahead and get the podcast started. So, you know, find your lighters, pull up, Turn me up. If you're in the gym, do an extra set and let's get it. This your boy Frank Nitty, and I'm finna get this podcast started. Let's go. Thanks for joining the Dope Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back on the road again with my virtual tour. This time I got my boy Jay Hub, the legend. You know, he's a stock guru, so I had to go and get him so I can get some of this information out to the people. He's been rocking online, doing his Sunday classes and kind of showing the people how to do some work. I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to jump on there a couple of times and kind of see some of that information he's been issuing out. He's been doing it for free, so I'm pretty sure he got a course coming to you guys um, at some point. Um, this information is going to be helpful for you and your family and for the generational, for the generations that are going to be coming up behind you. So, you know, take take heed to what he say. Um, he's a guru. He's been giving me some tips as well. Uh, I'm still an amateur at this, but, you know, now we have a little bit more time with the pandemic. I want to kind of get a little bit deeper and get my feet wet a little bit more with the stocks. And so who else I'm going to go to? I'm going to go to the guy who kind of been put me on the put me on game. And you got to have people like this on your team to kind to kind of be able to kind of give you, you know, tips and, you know, opportunities to do different things. If everybody doing the same thing and everybody not eating, eating right, you know, you got to have people in different avenues and kind of showing you different things. And that's why I have a, I have a wide net of friends and homies and diverse industries. And so, you know, here's the boy, here's the homie, Jay Legend. What's up, man? Oh, what's good, man? What's good? Now, I like that intro, man. All right. He's a real professional, that thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Boy, you know, I've been doing a couple couple of months now, so I'm kind of easing into this thing real nice. And, you know, you're the homie, so, you know, we already be in the chat talking back and forth, so I already know you, you know, been people game on how you've been running these stock classes and stuff, and I really, you know what I'm saying, I appreciate you for issuing out the information. I haven't been able to jump on all of them, you know, I've been traveling, but most of the time, you know, Sundays I try to kick back and kind of, I look forward to seeing you, you know, and issuing out the information, you know, because people like me, you know, I have never been into the stock market and things like that, and you kind of put me on game with the, with the apps and stuff like that, but I just... <clears throat> I just haven't had an opportunity to dive deeper into it. But now, you know, with the pandemic going on, I definitely want to kind of get more involved with it, you know, put some more money behind it so we can make some money. Because, you know what I'm saying, I know once, once upon a time you talked about, you know, putting some money together and who, 25000 we can all kind of band in together and, and pool our money together and we can make some big things happen. And so I'm trying to get to that level where you at, homie. So, you know, first off, you know, I know you've been kind of paying attention to some of the things that's going on, like with this NBA. How you feel about the NBA? Like, how do you feel about it with them coming back and stuff like that? Uh man, I'm 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 in the middle, man. Either or, like, uh, if they didn't come back, I don't think. I mean, I think at this point, I personally would miss it. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, if we we'll, if we we'll even get through the whole NBA season, like it's. 
it was one of those things that one person tests positive, they got to put a pause on everything. So, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at it. It's, it's good to see basketball sports back. I think NBA is probably one of the few sports that's set up to where they can, they can control it, uh, especially kind of this late in the season uh, with the playoffs. But, you know, this might be the last of sports we get for a minute. Uh, just, just looking at, looking at what, what, what's going on. So, you know, I'm, it's, I'm happy to see, you know, uh, for them to get back to doing their profession, what they love. Uh, but you know, if you know, if it felt if if we if we didn't have it, I wouldn't be upset. Uh, but you know, since we we do have it, I'm I'm, I'm definitely gonna watch. Yeah, I know. I was on record back uh, a couple of months ago. I talked about, you know, starting back, especially when, you know, the George Floyd situation happened. I was kind of like, well, we don't need basketball right now. If things are kind of like some somewhat kind of move forward and you now they've kind of picked up the bubble and the bubble life and it's kind of starting to become its own thing. I, I kind of like the camera angles better because they, you know, they got the sideline cameras. You don't really have people in the way, so you can kind of get different views and things like that. But, you know, like I said, everybody could be at risk, just like what, what Lou just did. He just went out to Magic City and he's like, hey, I'm finna go get it in. And then I'm gonna imagine if he didn't get caught and he just would have slipped back into the bubble. Right, right. Like I said, he tested positive and he could have probably been there for two, three days. And I'm telling how many people he would have came in contact with and boom, right. like, didn't get risk because you right, know, right. like eight games they're gonna play and then they're gonna try to ease into the into the playoff. But if you you get you get the virus tested in the first two weeks, that's like the basically your whole seating. You can go from third to at the playoff just like that. Yeah, yeah, and what what are they gonna do? Like, say, like they in the middle of the playoffs. We in the, we in the finals, and LeBron or Kawhi or Giannis test positive, uh, game four. You know what I'm saying? Are they gonna are they gonna keep playing it out? Are they gonna postpone it? Like, what you gonna do? You, you you gonna suffer through it, or you gonna go ahead and tell them go home for ten days? Like, you know, they're in a, like a. It's one of those great area type things when it comes down to that live sports. You know, you try to create the create the bubble was a it was a good idea, but how can you sustain that bubble when you got people coming and going, you got people serving you food, right, people right, trying right. to just it just more or less on the players to more or less kind of you know adhere to the guidelines because it could possibly work if mm-hmm. they stick to it. But you just know, man, you got three months or four months inside of a bubble where you're just seeing the same people over and over. over. Them guys don't want to take risks because they got families, they got kids, and, you know, you got your side chick, you know, she might want to slip on, slip in <laughs> something like that, you know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, these guys going, you know, some somebody's going to slip up and, it's, and something's going to, you know, happen and it's going to shut the whole thing down, especially, like I said, in the finals, what you going to do? You can't sit Braun down, he got all, he getting all the views, like he going. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. It, all it takes is one one of your superstars to get it. I think uh, Harden and Russell Westbrook had tested positive at one point. You know what I'm saying? So you got your MVPs testing positive. Like imagine yeah. if that would have happened two weeks after that was right before they got to the bubble. Imagine if they would have eased into the bubble, you know, and test positive. It could have just set the whole thing. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. They would have to shut everything down. It's kind of what, what baseball just went through. They they started up week and a half into it and boom they got to shut the whole thing down for i think the marlins had like 19 players test positive or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. like crazy and you're trying to you know shift players in and off the court so i don't know how they got the court set up you know i kind of just see it from the tv you know they kind of play here and they play there but when you start kind of getting these games up and going and somebody messed around test positive and he missed he has to go and sit down for five six games or you know that that changed the whole dynamic of the playoff all right 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 playoffs so yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see it unfold, man. Um, I just hope everybody stay healthy and you know they can they can get through the rest of the season and through the playoffs and give us you know 
if it's gonna happen, then you know, hopefully it, it happens to the to the fullest, and we can we can experience a little bit of sports before uh, what I feel like sports come about to shut down for a long time. Uh, at least team sports. Yeah, yeah. You can still you can still have like uh, like golf or tennis, uh, something like that. Tennis, maybe even track and field. Uh, but it's you know it's gonna have to be controlled for yeah. a while. It's gonna be hard, especially with no, with no vaccine and sight. You know, all these companies out here rushing, trying to get some, you know, phase two, phase three. Government dropping money here, dropping money there. All these, you know, everybody trying to get these uh, approvals, trying to get this money so they can get these vaccines out. But it's all about the money. You know, yeah. that's that's gonna be the biggest issue. And football, uh, you know, they're still trying to get football, and you know, our players opting out. They trying to, you know, keep trying to keep it going like we're gonna have the season but you know like I said man it's just gonna be tough to try to have you know you got you know 11 you got 52 52 man roster plus you got the head coaches and you got the administrator it's gonna be hard to try to you know move yeah, football football I don't I think football gonna be a wash if if they because you can't put you can't can you put 30 teams in a bubble you can't man where you gonna house them you talking about 30 times the 52 times the coaching staff times the practice squad times you know Replacement players, you gotta have replacement. Yeah, you got replacement players. You got people that that just run the facilities that are there all the time that that cater to the players. Then you think about the food that they gonna consume, and you gotta bring in chefs and man, it's it's gonna be crazy trying to get football inside a bubble. I get a whole island, man. You gotta take a whole island. You got <laughs> island, bro. You gotta go down to the Caymans or somewhere off of Jamaica, somewhere down there, man. Take a whole and over and just ship everybody in for about three weeks before they do anything, test everybody, and then say, hey, let's do it. But And that's and that's before you get to the field. Yeah. Let's just say you get to the field. If you're not playing on turf, you're playing on grass, maintenance. How many teams going to be able to play on that one field in a day? Like a soccer field, they're going to tie it up. Yeah, so I, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be challenging. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. And and then you got the thing with the whole situation. I know I was back at home and it kind of broke when the Washington Redskins they finally got forced to change their name. Where it wasn't necessarily. I don't think it was a. Uh, they were gonna do it on their own. It was all about how that money. Like again, that money flowing. It's like Nike said, "Hey, look, we're not supporting you anymore." Uh, FedEx say, "Look, we're not supporting you anymore." Then two days later, it's like, "All right, look, we're gonna go ahead and change his name." Right, you know? right, right. I mean, at the end of the day, it is all about money. Uh, you know, I think with the momentum that was built behind the protests and the different movements with uh, a lot of Fortune 500 companies being vocal, uh, you know, it just came down to uh, regards of whatever reason the companies decided to, you know, shift in that direction. It was just the momentum and it was, you know, you either get on board or kind of suffer the consequences. Um, and, you know, a lot of these changes should have happened a long time ago. Definitely. You know? uh, but it just shows, you know, we, you know, without the money, without the power, there's little we can do uh, on the on the side of making those types of large changes. You know, there's smaller battles we can we can take on and, and win and we can build momentum, but we need the, the, the financial backing uh, behind our movements. Uh, to make those types of changes where we're, where we're changing, uh, you know, cultures of companies, where we're changing the way companies think uh, to be more inclusive of people of color. So uh, one way or the other, we're going to need the financial backing, whether it's to, you know, attach ourselves to other companies and, and allow them to push 
our message or we build it ourselves enough power and enough influence to push our message message or come together so that we can push our message. But uh, that's, that's the key, man. It's, it's going to come down to, you know, do you have the finances? Do you have the power to actually get those things done? Most definitely. And I think the one of the biggest things about that is because a lot of these comp- a lot of these uh, organizations, they're not publicly traded. And so they're, they're private equity. So they can kind of move and do what they want. They don't really have to answer to anybody and kind of lead into that stock talk. You know, if they were publicly traded, you know, the people have a little say so in and we can, you know, we, our money can be put behind something like this. Say, hey, we're, we're going to we're going to you know, what you call it, dump the stock or we can just short Okay. And that would really significantly hurt their pockets where he can be forced. But, but since they're privately, since they're private, you know, owned or equity or however they do this money, because when you see they get ready to sell, it'd be this whole team of people. And it don't necessarily be one, one, one person buying it. It'd be like a All whole right. organization, a whole team of people getting together and pooling their money together and buying these teams and, and kind of going so on and so forth. And they're not never, never public. Right, right, right like the Knicks or something like that. If they was comfortable publicly traded, then we can have a little bit more push and say so and doing stuff like that. And right, so, right, right. Yeah, so, you know, and with you, you know, definitely into that stock market, you know, I want to get your get your tip and your information, kind of pull some out of you and like, like what some of those big time, big moments, like is the market down right now or is it up? Yeah, I just give just kick you off with that. Uh, man, visually the market is up, right? So if you're looking at uh, well, I say up from where it was two or three months ago. Uh, you know, the you know overall prices are going up, and a lot of that's driven by um, expectations. You know, we expect uh, a vaccine soon. You know, like you were saying earlier, uh, a lot of these companies are in phase whatever, um, and they've got testing for vaccines, right? And so we hear that information and we assume our, the, 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 the economy is going to go back to where it was, right? So uh, that fuels a lot of the movement in the market right now. And that movement is in a positive direction. Uh, another thing that's kind of moving uh, the needle on that is the government dumping a lot of stimulus money into the economy. Uh, and so when you dump that money, you're giving people funds to spend, um, you're giving companies uh, funds to spend, whether it's to keep employees, whether it's keep the doors open, whether it's to keep operations going. And so it gives the, uh, the overall look that we're operating as normal, right? Payrolls are still the same. Payrolls come in the same. Uh, companies, you know, whether they, you know, they don't have to close their doors just yet. You know, they take, take the money from federal government. And so that gets extended. The time... Uh, from the, the the moment in which they will have to start closing doors or have to kind of reduce workforce gets extended. And so from the outside looking in, if you're looking at the market, the way the market has been reacting to that is in a positive direction. I, you know, my overall kind of uh, standpoint on the market right now is that we're in a a time where the market doesn't represent the economy, right? So you have the market, then you have the economy. The market is going up because of the perception that things will get good, get better, right? Uh, but the economy is not that way, right? There's layoffs around the door. There's cutoffs for uh, additions and unemployment. Uh, you know, people who accepted the CARES Act, uh, 
in a, in a couple of months, they will no longer have to carry those employees that they agreed to carry uh, by accepting those funds. So they will get laid off or furloughed. So when you look at the economy, the economy doesn't resemble the market, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the, the market resembles what people anticipation or expectation expectations of the economy may be. But as of right now, uh, the market is up. Uh, but I don't, you know, just being in where I am as far as my profession and where I came from, uh, you know, there were, there were a lot of uh, cuts on the project sides. I mean, we're talking 80 to 90 percent of our budget was being cut. So, wow. yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting time um, when you when you compare the market and look at where it's going now versus where we are as an economy. Uh, so I don't know so, if that answers your question, but. So are you more of a, your strategy right now going forward, are you more, um, you, you invest in short term or are you doing more long, long term investments? So I shifted uh, my train of thought. I'm, I'm doing more more long term now. Uh, when I say long term, I mean, I'm, I'm buying more stocks, uh, buying some of those companies that really got distressed and whose prices were were dumped during this uh this time with COVID and, and layoffs and cutbacks and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I've, I've shifted, you know, I used to do a lot of short-term investing. Um, I used to trade options, um, which were short-term options, which, which um, you know, we could talk about, mm-hmm. uh, but I used to trade on a short-term. So now I've kind of shifted it over to long-term. So I buy more shares of companies, you know, as I get paid every uh, two weeks, I'll take a portion of that and buy companies, right? And so as I started buying companies, um, my thinking and doing my analysis and looking at the uh, the fundamentals of the company, I'm expecting these these companies to recover. So these aren't, uh, I'm not rolling in the dice on uh, penny companies or companies that haven't been around a while or companies that haven't proven themselves. These are companies that were either once blue chip or have a strong financial uh, strong financial statements, uh, and but they've just been a victim of what's going on right now. And so, uh, purchasing those securities and those shares, and just kind of holding on to them and waiting for you know recovery. Mm-hmm. So, how do you go about as a trader? You know, you say long term. Are you, first of all, are when you say long term, is this like a six month deal, three month deal, uh, year long, year and a half? Like, what is your exit strategy when it comes to that? And then two. Like when you, how are you going about finding these bargain basement, um, you know, what you call blue chips or bargain basement companies to, to, to kind of invest in? Because like as a trader for myself, I would probably go into the app, you know, I'll probably think about the companies that I know off the top of my head, like Facebook or Google, but you know, these companies are, have been around, they, they have success and you know, they're going to continue to be here, but they're, they're still trading at a high dollar. But how do you find those, you know? $10 or $12 or something under $50 type bargain type blue chip companies. How do you go about finding those things? Um, so I guess answer your first question. What do I consider long-term? Um, you know, I'm looking at more of the recovery of the stock versus a time frame. You know, typically if you say long-term, you're, you're talking at least a year that will get you over that, uh, you know, paying capital gains tax, right? So if you hold something for 365 days, you can kind of skate that that uh, capital gains tax. Uh, and so I guess I start out there with a the year, um, but 
there's not really a time frame when I'm when I'm purchasing these companies. You know, I'm you know I take money that I'm that I would typically put in a savings account or store away, um, and then just buy stock. And I'm 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 waiting. Right. So it's a waiting game. Um, it's you know buying stock and investing in companies. It's just like uh, real estate. Right. You you'll never lose in real estate um, if you don't have to still sell before you want to. And so if you purchase these stocks at distress levels at uh, really low discounted prices and you you don't need the money um, you just kind of let it sit there until it recovers till you get uh, either you know I'll look at it and kind of determine uh, what does a full recovery look like and can it come out of into a full recovery whether it's pre-COVID or pre five years ago uh, and if it took a dip for some other reason so um, I kind of look at um, over the last five or 10 years, see what has happened. Uh, a lot of what has happened because of COVID. So I'll start there. I'll say, I'm going to buy these shares and I want to at least get to the mark where it was uh, pre-COVID. So that that's kind of my thinking as far as purchasing in the long term. Now, I say that if I wake up the next morning and, and the levels are pre-COVID, I may sell. So uh, like I said, there's no, I don't have really have a, uh, a time frame when I say long term, uh, but I guess for me when I say long term, I'm buying shares versus uh, you know dealing in options, uh, and so yeah, I'll, I'll hold them until I get to um, you know the number that I that I want to get to. Um, yeah, like I see, I see. You know, I've been you know just dibbling, dabbling in it. I know I kind of when I first got in it, you know, I just buy some stocks or random stocks, and then all of a sudden it'll go up, or I buy it in, in the morning, and I go to work or do something, and next hour is it's down, and I lose money. And so, you know, I when the, when COVID nineteen hit, I basically said, all right, I had bought some Snapchat because I was like, all right, Snapchat is going, it's dirt cheap right now. I know it, it was a pretty good company. I know it struggled for a little bit and I just bought some and just let it set. And of course I didn't check it. I wasn't really on it. Cause I don't, I was, like I said, I wasn't really, you know, into the stocks like that, like heavy, not paying attention a lot. And I go and open it up one day and I'm like, whoa, whoa, like what happened? And so it goes from $6 and it's up to 20 something dollars. And I see, I see what you're saying, like holding on to it. And because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about when you're saying trade, I'm thinking about you get in, get out, get in, get out, get in and get out. But when you, you know, you're holding it more long term, you can kind of see that, that your investment kind of grows a little bit, you know, yeah. and we'll take a step, take a step back for people who probably have never been into the stock market. So how do you go about, you know, what's the first, steps like what apps are you using like to get involved with brokers and things like that to kind of help somebody who doesn't really have a lot of capital kind of get in on it and then like trying to get some of these free apps to kind of get people up and going when it comes to you know dealing with stocks okay yeah so um one of the ones that i that i uh, started out with uh, that i recommend to a lot of people that are just starting is robin hood uh, it's it, it started out mobile platform only and so it's the the user interface is very simplistic. Even though they they moved to a desktop uh, version of it now, it's still simplistic and easy to, easy to follow because they they built on top of a mobile platform. Uh, and so I suggest for anybody that's starting out, use Robinhood. Um, they do commission free uh, trades, so you can buy and sell without paying a commission that your larger and more well known uh, brokerages uh, charge. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, literally it fits in the palm of your hand. You know, I can, if I want to look up a certain company, um, I could put it on my watch list. 
Um, I can create watch lists. They'll help me track companies. Uh, I can buy and sell right in the palm of my hand. You know, it's it's very user friendly. Um, and so that's one I would recommend. And then for your more advanced or um, more technical traders, I would uh, suggest pairing that with TD Ameritrade because they do have a platform uh, that's built for analytics uh, and it's called Thinkorswim. So, uh, you know, I, I started out a Robinhood a lot. I still, you know, when I'm, when I'm teaching people, I use Robinhood as a reference, but a lot of what I do now is on uh, TD Ameritrade, uh, simply for the fact that I just, you know, I kind of moved everything over to there. Uh, and then I can use my analytical platform uh, in conjunction with my uh, TD Ameritrade account. Uh, so yeah, that's, you know, I would definitely suggest Robinhood. Uh, and again, for people who don't know, Robinhood is a brokerage. Brokerages, brokerages are just like banks. Um, in fact, they are banks, but they will they allow you to purchase securities, which are stocks and uh, uh, ETFs and things like that. So um, I tell people, if you got a savings account, you're not really collecting a lot of money in interest. You might as well put that money in a brokerage account. You don't have to buy anything or, or buy any stock right now, but a brokerage account allows you to do it whenever you want to. So uh, I tell people all the time, move your money from your savings account to a brokerage account and just save it in there. Um, and then when you find something you like, uh, see a company you like, you want to buy or purchase or invest in, you know, start to buy small shares here and there. Um, so that's kind of what I would suggest, you know, to get started as far as brokerages are concerned. Um, but yeah. Uh, We're this information, like when you know, saying you're saying you're finding putting things on your watch list, like for someone like me, mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of time to go out and like search this information out. I kind of go with the big names. So, how are you finding these little these little uh, diamonds in the rough type? Where's the information? Where are you grabbing that information from? Are they coming from apps or are you coming from like TV? Like, where are you grabbing the information from? You know, I, I tell people to start out at your house, right? Look at everything that you use. I, I, most of us have iPhones, so you got an Apple. Now, within that iPhone, you've got several other parts, right? You've got Qualcomm. Um, you've got whoever makes the the screens, LG, or the, or Apple may make their own screens, but you're looking at Samsung, you got Samsung, you got an Android. Uh, LG may, may make the screen. Uh, who makes the cameras? You know, does Apple make the cameras or, or do they outsource it? Um, you know, just sitting at my desk right now, I've got a Canon camera. I've got uh, Logitech. I've got, you know, Amazon Basic uh, Shredder. You know, so if I look around the room, I can build a watch list on things that I use every day. Okay. So as a consumer, um, you know, we, you know, as consumers, we buy things, we use things, uh, but to shift your mindset over to being an owner, uh, start to look at the things that you buy and purchase, and you can build a watch list of the companies that are behind those products. Um, And as you start to follow those companies, you start to take interest, and then those companies may be companies you want to invest in. Right. You think about it. If I'm buying an an iPhone every year, which, you know, they get us because for some reason, uh, the 10 starts to slow down when 11 come out. And I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the 12 going to slow down. The the 11 going to slow down when the 12 get ready to come out. 
So, so we buy iPhones every year. There's got to be something, you know, where, where, you know, something about an iPhone that makes people keep coming back. So that may be a company I want to look into. Um, as you start looking at one company, you'll see other companies that compete with that company. Um, so then you'll you'll kind of start building your watches like that. Who's their biggest competitor? You know, it may be Samsung or Nokia or BlackBerry. You know, so you build a watch a court, watch list according to that. And 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 whatever your industry is, whatever your field is, right? I was um, I worked in aviation for the last eight years, and so my watch list includes uh, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, Alaskan, uh, you know, JetBlue. Uh, Boeing, uh, GE because they make the engines, oh, yeah. right? Boeing because they make the engines, right? And then once you get into GE, you start looking at Baker Hughes because uh, they're an engineering firm that works with GE. So then you start looking at other engineering firms, and, and so I, you know, I challenge people to not only look at where you look at items and where you live, but also when you go to work. Like, what what industry are you in? You know, is your company the best? in the business if so you should be looking at your company's financials you should be looking at their their kind of the, the background of your company and, and and what is your company doing right how valuable is your company you know amazon has you know thousands and thousands of people that work for it. um if you work for amazon you should at least know what their stock price is all right. And so and, 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 and I challenge people with, with any company they work for. If you work for a company and they're public, publicly traded, you should know what the stock price is. You should know when they announce earnings. You know, you should be on the calls to listen in when the CEO talks, when the CFO talks. So you build your watch list from home. You build your watch list from where you work. Um, and then, you know, like I said, things you consume. Um and it'll, it'll start to, you know, you'll start to build a watch list up like that. Uh, and it'll grow over time, uh, you know. And, and the third way that uh, that I suggest building a watch list is, you know, involve yourself with other like-minded people. You know, get start putting groups of people together, uh, you know, friends that you have that invest in the stock market. Uh, you know, they, they have a totally different list than you do, right? So uh, I have a group chat, and a lot of times we throw out, companies, you know, companies that I've never heard of or, or never thought to invest in. And so my watch list gets built off of other people doing the work, uh, which is important because, uh, you know, the, the the stock market is, you know, it's filled with a vast amount of companies. And so, you know, as individuals, we'll, we'll never be able to uh, reach all of them or expand all industries and over the stock market, but with people uh, in a group or friends that you trade ideas with, uh, it's a really good way to build your watch list. So, yeah, and I see, I see that you know I'm a part of that group too, but I, I just don't contribute. I'm like a, I'm a watcher, so you know I don't want to throw out some bad information in, in a group chat. So I just kind of watch and see what people are talking about. And you know, there are some newbies and there's some people like yourself who've been doing it for a little bit longer. And they kind of have some information that they can share with everybody else. And that's what it's all about, you know, sharing the knowledge and sharing sharing information. So like you said, when you're in one industry, another person in another industry, and they they have a watch list or something that's you know totally different from something that you probably would ever even think about, and they kind of mm-hmm. get focus and get your attention on especially like those companies that you're working for and, and your your friends working for and you're seeing what they're doing and you're seeing how their stocks are trading and things like that okay so now you got this you you, you got the app you got the you got your watch list built up 
Like, mm -hmm. let's go through like the buying power. Okay, you you've taken a little bit of your savings, you've pinched off your savings, you you got bucks, a hundred bucks, or you know, twenty bucks, whatever you can kind of pinch off. You got your watch list bills. Now take me through the buying or the buying of a stock. Like when you're ready to hit the trigger on it, what's your indicator to say, okay, this is a good buy at this price? Okay. So um let's talk, we'll talk fundamentally. Um so fundamentally when I look at a company. I look at their financials. What did their cash flow look like? You know, what are you know? What are their operation budgets look like? You know, what are they spending their money on? Are they still spending their money on research and development? Are they coming out with innovative products? Are they coming out with innovative processes? You know, are they buying other companies? Are they on the forefront of technology and moving in a space in which they lead? All right. So I look at a company in that way, and so. From that point, from that standpoint, um, if all of those check off, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I really like this company from a visual standpoint, and I'll look at kind of where the where the uh, stock price is, um, and I tell people all the time, stock price doesn't give you the value of the company. Okay, it gives you the value of the demand of the stock, right? Because a lot of times you'll see companies' price shoot through the roof. Even like this company isn't worth that much, right? Um, I saw a company today price go up like 400%. And I'm just like, this is not what this company is really worth. This is not the value of this company. It is the value of the demand of the stock at that time, right? So you have to be kind of careful when you are purchasing stock. And so what I do is I'll look at the stock price. I'll determine if the price is uh, a reflection of demand at that time and people are just driving it up or if it's a good valuation of where the company is and you can you can uh you know they they put out reports to tell you kind of uh you know how the company has done over the last quarters uh over the last three months they'll give you reports how much money they've made and so you can kind of uh judge if the price makes sense you know, if they've been losing money, but they're trading at, you know, $1,000 a share, you know, why is the price so high and they're still losing money? You know, are they putting a lot of money into research and therefore losing the money? Um, or are they not researching? They're just, you know, putting out products and they're not bringing any money in, right? So again, you'll look at it and say, well, this doesn't make sense. This $1,000 price per share doesn't make sense with what's going on with the company. So if I do find a company where I say, okay, this price looks good, uh, price may be distressed because of what's going on, I could take advantage of these low prices or the company may have been in trouble and they worked their way out of trouble, but uh, you know, a lot of people went away from the company because they were in trouble. Uh, you know, And I say, okay, I think this company can turn itself around. It's what they were valued at before they went through kind of their process of getting back, uh, right? Um, you know, I'll go in, uh, take funds, um, and, you know, put in a buy order. Uh, and, and it's simple. You know, a buy order is basically hitting the buy button. Right? You tell your brokerage, Robinhood, how many shares you want. Uh, so, for example, let's say a company is trading at $10 a share. If I want to buy 10 shares, that's $100. I put my $100 in my account, uh, go on Robinhood and say I want to buy 10 shares. And I hit buy. Um, and, and there are, you know, a couple things that I'll tell people, uh, two main ways to buy 
uh, two main ways to sell. Um, there are other ways, but they're more advanced level. Uh, one is just buying on market, right? So you hit the button, say, give me 10 shares. I don't care how much they cost, give me 10 shares, right? And so your order goes out and then the cheapest 10 shares it can find, it goes and buys them and bring them back to you. So that may be a share, one share at $10, maybe one share at $10.20, maybe one share at $10.50, maybe one share at $11, right? Until you get your 10 shares, right? And, and you get your 10 shares and you get an average price. And so your average price for the 10 may be more than $10. Uh, so that's market, going to market and making a purchase. Uh, if you set a limit, right, you tell Robinhood how much you want to pay for each share. So I go in there and I say, Robinhood, give me 10 shares of this company and I only want to pay $10 per share. So I put that order in and now they will only purchase shares when the price hits $10. Hmm. Now I may not get all my shares at once, uh, but they every time the price gets to 10, they'll purchase one. And so those are the main two ways to acquire shares in the market. I tell people, unless you have to get in a position uh, really fast or have to get out of a position really fast, you always want to set a limit and tell it how much you want to pay for it. It's really good practice. Uh, uh, it keeps you disciplined, right? If you do your, your work and you say, all right, I'm willing to purchase this at $10, you know, be disciplined and not pay 1001 for it. Be disciplined and not, you know, oh, it's only two cent more, pay 1002, right? Because as we gain more capital, you know, you if you go from buying 10 shares to 10,000 shares, now paying that extra two cent over $10, which is 20 cent, you're paying the extra 10 cent over 10,000, which is $20, right? If I'm doing that right. Yeah, $20, right? So you you see how being undisciplined and saying, I want it right now can have you paying more than what you want to pay. So um, um, that's why I say, you know, it, and it's easy. Like I said, you, you put your money in your brokerage account, you go to the stock, hit buy, tell Robinhood how you want to buy, whether it's market or limit, and then purchase it. I'm good. You, I'm glad you brought that up because me, you know, not knowing anything about it, I just go in. I just hit. Hey, I want. I see this. Uh, I see this share. Oh, it's going for the low. Let me get. Let me get three of those. Let me get five. Yeah. I'm at the menu. And I hit the buy button, and it just goes out and buy. And you're like, oh, now you got your order in. You bought it. Hey, uh, cool. I'm good. I'm, I'm moving on to the next. Not knowing it's charging me an extra five cent, ten cent. And like you said, when it's when it's small amounts, it's not really a, a huge deal. But when you start mm -hmm. buying 10, 20,000, you start really putting that big money in there. That's yeah. a, that's an extra chunk of change that you weren't even expecting on the, right. on the back end side. So that, that's a really good thing. That's a really good knowledge to have because me personally, I, I don't know about it. So I'm just hitting buy and I'm just a normal guy. And that's how probably normal people are gonna do it when they first start off. They're just gonna hit buy and they're just gonna go in and just pay mm -hmm. for it like that. So that's some good knowledge that you put out. So now we, we, we got the app, we got the information, we got our, we got our watch list, we, we bought our first one. Now we, we, we're patiently waiting, we're sitting on it. Mm -hmm. When do we get in there and when do we say, hey, look, it's time to get out of this position. We, we, we bought it at $10 and, you know, it, it was doing good the first day and a half. You know, the first week is doing good. You know, day 12, all right, I, I see the market is, you know, having a, it's, it's a panic day. It's Tuesday. It's panic day in, in the market. The market. Yeah. The market is, you know, the cap down and it, it falls below $8. Am I, is it something that you are, 
I know an experienced trader would probably not panic, but for someone who's like an amateur like me, not go in, how do I get out of the position quickly? You get out of the position before you get in the position. Well, I'm saying, well, if I bought it and now it's 10 days, 10 days out and then all of a sudden it goes down to $8, should I keep it? Should I, should I, should I keep riding it out, ride it back up? Should I put more money in now that it's gone down? Like, give me some of those, 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 those things. I know you've been there before, so I know you kind of got an idea. Like, if the position mm-hmm. down, do I kind of, do I, I'm kind of sitting back like, okay, I know it's going to go back up or do I, I panic and get, get out of it? So give me your thought process when that happens. So I know it sounded weird when I said it, but I actually said it right. So you get out of the position before you get in the position, right? Okay. So before you take a position in any company, in any position, you already want to know what your parameters are. Right? You want to know if this drops below this amount, whether I'm going to sell it, whether I'm going to buy more, or I'm going to let it stay, right? So you, you, you got to know before you go into a position. So I always have those numbers in my head, right? If I buy something at $10, and this is just for an example, I know if, well first, so let's just say I want 10 of something at $10, I'm willing to spend $100, and I can purchase it for 10. Um, uh, you know, I would approach it like this. Uh, I'd purchase five, right? If I'm, if I'm unsure of what the market is doing, I purchase five, and then from there, I say, okay, um, I don't. I don't really know if it's gonna go up or down, but I purchased my five. I'll kind of wait. Uh, if it goes down, I'm prepared to buy more, right? So let's just say it goes down to eight, and eight is my buy more signal. Uh, I buy more, right? So where that where I only got five, it goes down to eight. I got fifty dollars left. Um, you know, I can get what six, right? So now, as opposed to having ten, I can get eleven, right? So that's that's my buy. If it starts to go up, um, you know, if I'm disciplined, I'll wait. I'll say, you know what? I think it'll come back down to 10. Uh, I'll wait. Now, I say if it goes above, let's just say it goes above 12, I'm going to go ahead and use the rest of my capital to get the rest of them because I know at 12 it's going to keep going or I've done, you know, my my studies. I know if it breaks 12, it's pretty, pretty much solid. It's going to keep going. I'll use the rest of my capital to buy. Now, I may not be able to buy the 10 like I wanted, uh, but I'm going to increase my position um, uh, with with the remaining $50 that I have. Now, again, on the flip side, let's just say it drops down to eight. That's my buy range. Say it drops down to six again. Six may be my sale, right? If it drops down to six, I lose, what is six? 40% of my, uh, my position. I'm automatically out. No questions asked. I don't sit here and tell myself, oh, it's going to go back up. Right. I get out, take my loss, and then I rethink my position again. Right. I may even get back in at at the six dollar mark. Um, but I have to reevaluate where I am. And so a lot of times we we get into we get into this battle with ourselves and we say, Oh, oh, it's going to go back up. It's going to go back up. Oh, oh, you know, it's just, it's just dropping. Uh, it'll go back up. Uh, but we forget or we don't have in place our, um, our limits, right? So before you enter a trade, you have to be ready to sell it. And that's on the downside or the upside. So, and this is just an example. Again, if it, if it starts at 10, let's just say I bought 10 at $10. If it drops down to eight, 
maybe I have some more capital and say, you know what, I'll buy some more. Uh, if it drops down to six, I say, you know what, that was a bad decision, I'm out, All right? And so then I say, okay, with the capital that I have left, let me rethink my plan. Uh, let me look at six, what does six really look like? If six looks like an even better number than it was at 10, I may get back in at six and see if I can go back up with it. Uh, and, and, I, and again, on the upside as well, if it's going up, let's just say it's at 10, it goes up to 12, uh, you know, I may allow it to go up. I may, you know, let it move uh, if I see momentum going in that direction. Uh, but when I get in at 10, I already know what I want to get out on. And this goes back to the example we talked about earlier uh, with a company that was distressed because of COVID. I know in my head that if it gets back to the level it was pre-COVID, I am taking a percentage of my position off the top. All right, so I will, I will, you know, exchange some of my shares for uh, some capital, and I'm, you know, may leave a few in there to kind of see if it'll, it'll. Uh, sustain momentum and, and go back to levels prior to pre-COVID. Right, so you got to kind of kind of watch it. Um, I have, you know, I kind of set my, you know, my parameters uh, depends on what I'm trading. Um, so forty percent is is you know if I'm if I'm doing options, all right, forty percent is kind of like my limit on both ends. Forty uh, percent on the downside is kind of like all right, I'm out. Uh, and then forty percent on the on the upside is I'm out. Right, I'll take my profit and leave. So that's 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 worked out really well for me. As far as the stocks, again, uh, you know, I bought. I want to say, uh, for example, I bought uh, PG&E. Right, uh, that's that's one of the company that's been kind of taking a downturn for a while. Right, uh, they went through the, the fires here in California. Uh, they they went through lawsuits, uh, bankruptcy, and then COVID on top of that. And so the price is really, really low. Now it is a risk, um, which in which you, you know, you have risk in, in, in the market, but I'm looking at it and the price is really, really low for the type of company that it is, a company that's been around forever. Um, you know, they, they're pretty much monopoly monopolized the uh, energy sector in California and I think in parts of Arizona and Nevada. And so, uh, you know, I started buying shares of PG&E and so the price started to go up today. Uh, but in my head, I'm like, okay, um, there is a risk, right? The price could go down. Um, and, you know, I've said before, if I'm, I give it 20% on the downside, if I, you know, 20% on the downside, I'm out. Uh, but that doesn't mean I don't invest back in them, right? That just means my strategy for how I'm playing that 20, 20% would put me outside of my uh, my strategic approach for where I originally purchased it. So if it drops 20%, I then have to be disciplined enough to say, I got to get out and reevaluate my position because the company, the stock price looks totally different than it did when I initially invested in it. So, uh, that's kind of how I do. That's that's one example of a company and, and how I how I do it. Uh, but I tell people you don't you don't make money in the stock market until you sell your share. Right. Uh, a lot of times we buy uh, something and it, and the price shoots up and we want to leave it in there and, and hold it 
in there, which is good um, if that company continues to do better. But just know that we're exchanging uh, capital for shares so that at some point we can exchange the shares for capital, you know, and in hopes that we're, we're bringing in much more capital. So uh, you have to be ready, you know, at your price point to sell your shares um, and not expect the price to continue to go up forever. Right. Um, so yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of my take on it. And what, how you explain it, it kind of makes give me uh, in my analogy how I think about it is like when I go to the casino, you know, down this, you know, down the sit, we always at the casino, mm -hmm. three five hundred dollars with me to the to the casino. I'm like, all right, look, this is all I'm taking with me. I'm all in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if I get down to this, I might just slide on out of there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what I'm saying? If I'm up a little bit, I'm gonna take that little cash out a little bit, put a little yeah. bit. And I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna keep playing, but like if I get down to that, I go from 500 to 300. I'm like, all right, I got a couple hundred more. If I get down to about 200. I'm like, all right, look, I might even go ahead and cash it in. So you mm -hmm. cash out, and then you might move on. You might want to go play, you know, the slots or something else, or you play blackjack or whatever the case may be. But you start off, you know, what I'm saying, and at that crap table trying to get up. So I kind of re related to what you were saying, like you're getting in and get out. Your strategy, you already got a strategy in mind. Like, okay, if I lose this amount of amount of money, then I'm gonna cash out. But if I win. This, I'm gonna take some of that profit, tuck it away, keep playing, you know, and reinvest and kind of keep going, keep going in on them. So I know we, we went through, you know, we got the stock list, we got the apps, we got the information, we got the, the buying power, we got the stocks. Like what sectors are you, you know, saying some of those hot sectors right now? I know with, with the virus, the COVID that's out there, I know, like I said, we talked about it earlier with a lot of these companies trying to get patents. And I know some of these universities are already, you know, putting these, trying to get patents on everything before the, the virus, the, the vaccine, the, vac the vaccination is actually put out into the public. Because we know once somebody finds out the cure, it's going to be a mad dash to try to get it out to everybody. And that company is going to, you know, propel because you got, you know, you got Genetech out here, you got um, a couple of others, but I forget the name off the top of my head, a couple of biotech companies. So is the biotech sector where it's at? Because I know the, the airline sector, they're probably taking a massive hit because they've definitely, you know, uh, taken a, nobody's traveling. No, I say nobody's traveling, but the travel is down. Nobody's actually all at those airports. So which right. sectors are you, you know, kind of feel that you're moving around in that's kind of good that people should maybe tap into or look into. I really hope you guys have been enjoying this podcast and listening to some of these gems that Jay Hill has been dropping. He's been giving some valuable knowledge that I hope you guys have really been enjoying and taking notes. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to get back to it as quickly as possible. Until the end, you guys find your lighters again, pull up and let's get back to it and we'll see you on the other side. Um, I think I, um, so on the positive side, uh, companies that I think that are doing well, technology companies. Uh, so what's going on right now is a lot of people are working from home more than we're used to. And so there's a big urgency, urgency to get people up and running at home. Right. And so you look at companies that specialize in, uh, video conferencing, teleconferencing, uh, you look at Zoom, you look at Microsoft, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Apple came out with their own uh, kind of video conferencing that's, that's specific to the iPhone or the iPad or, or, or um, Apple. So you look at companies that are putting people in a better position to work from home. Uh, you, yeah, you got your Microsoft, you got your, your Apple, you got Zoom, um, 
you know, just looking around, you, you start to think about security companies, uh, companies that specialize in internet security. Uh, I think one that we use is uh, Palo Alto Network. Right? They're, they're really big in 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 security, and so I, that's that's what I've been looking at as far as on the upside. Looking at a lot of these tech companies, companies that have uh, downsized, but still been able to keep up with production. Right. So you look at look at a, take a company like Facebook. Right. Um, Facebook campus was massive, right? You think about all the people that Facebook campus had to feed every day, the electricity they were using, something as simple as the pencils and pens they were buying on a daily basis to have people to write, to operate. People needed desks and people were bringing, you know, they needed whatever, right? So now that goes from 100 to what of whatever it was to basically zero, right? People don't even, you know, people aren't on the campus. If they are, there are spots here and there. So so a lot of that overhead that they were having to pay or cover, Facebook doesn't have to do that anymore, right? And they have their people set up to work from home. So they're saving money on that side. Um, you know, they may have went through massive layoffs, although, although I think Facebook, you know, they I've seen quite a bit of uh, positions open at Facebook. Um, but, uh, you know, they're in a position to continue to grow because they've cut down on a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of operation costs, costs that the things that 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 they needed for people to produce. Now they don't have to, uh, you know, pay for those things. So, uh, again, I like tech companies because they're they were at the forefront of being in a position to where people could work from home but they can go right, they can continue to work. Uh, and tech companies will be providing us with the equipment, right? So we talked about this earlier, Apple, you got an iPhone, right? What are you using? Microsoft, Microsoft uh, Teams, uh, we're on Zoom right now, right? So all of these companies are publicly traded companies uh, and they're moving us towards where we are now, right? They're moving us into this, what I think will be the norm or the semi-norm even after mm-hmm. COVID-19. Uh, so tech companies, um, I, I am on the lookout for healthcare companies, uh, companies that produce, you know, pharmaceuticals and, and, and drugs. Um, Pfizer is a big one. Uh, you have some of your off, um, uh, kind of your off uh, bioforms or pharmaceutical companies that aren't as well known. Um, uh, Inovio, they've been kind of in the news a lot with uh, vaccine, where they've received funding from uh, Bill Gates Foundation and the federal government to push research on getting the vaccine out, and and a, and a few more other companies. So I've been kind of looking at the uh, uh, healthcare and, and pharmaceutical uh, as well, uh, but also the healthcare on the tech side as well. So you got a few companies that specialize in tech, but on the healthcare side, right? Because we're moving towards an area where, um, you know, people are still going to get sick. People are still going to need doctors. But how do how does that look inside of an of an office building now? How does that you know how can doctors uh, diagnose you diagnose you from a, a video conference or you know is is are those conferences conference lines secure to where my information that I share with my doctor is secure, right? Um, you know. Um, 
video and, and, and picture phones might not be just for uh, sending news anymore. You know what I'm saying? We might be we might be sending them to our doctors uh, to, to look and be like, Doc, what's wrong? Right. So we need security in place so that people aren't, you know, they aren't stealing your pictures while you're sending information to your doctor. So, again, technology, Internet security, medical, uh, because I think medical is going to be revamped in the way that we handle it. Um, so those are a few um, to the downside, uh, retail uh, minus Amazon, right? Every All retail outside of Amazon. Um, let's see what else. Airlines, you know, I, like I said, I've worked in that industry and I've seen cuts like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, I was working at one of the most trafficked airports in the U.S. and traffic went from 60 million to almost a hundred, couple hundred thousand. I know. I, like I was telling you earlier, I just I just went through that. So I just flew back and I came. Well, even when I was going I, and I've traveled through SFO, you know, for years and you no matter what time you get there, the airport's always busy because you always say, oh, I'm gonna go to the airport. And when you get there, you get there early in the morning, you're like, all right, nobody's gonna be there. It's too early in the morning. You get there and it's crazy busy in the morning. You get there in the middle of the day, it's crazy. You get there at night, it's crazy. And then on our flight back when we got here, we got back probably like four in the evening and it was like literally nobody in the airport. So, you know, everybody's kind of been at home and the travel's been cut down. And, and just going back to what you said earlier about the doctors, you know, my wife working in the healthcare field, you know, we were sending pictures. They're already on that because like their doctors, they're, they're working from home now because, you know, some of those doctors that see the like the radiologists and, you know, cardiologists, all these people are a little bit older. They've probably been in the industry, been working in the industry for long, longer periods of time. And so they don't even want to come to the hospital. They're like, look, I'm not coming into the hospital. You know, I'm not trying, you know, basically they don't want to get sick because they're a little bit older and a little bit, you know, in that age range where the virus really attacked that age range, you know, mm -hmm. And they attacked the age range. So they're like, look, I'm not coming in. You got to send it to me at my house. And if they're not equipped at home to do it at home. So they had to, you know, do it on these old, probably old Lenovo laptops or whatever laptops mm -hmm. they're doing. So, and that's causing major lag time because you will send, stand something that's been made in the last two years. And then you got to turn around and send it to a, a large file to somebody that's at home that really doesn't even know how to use a computer. And you're yeah. trying you know, show something that's very important for somebody's health. And so we have to kind of catch up. I think technology is, this is, you know, with every, with every down, there's always going to be something good and positive come from it. And I think there's going to be something positive because companies now know that, look, we don't have to be in those offices every day. We don't have to come into those in, in droves and traffic sitting on the park trying to get to the office. We can work from home. So you can't use that, use that to hold us hostage to the office lifestyle and, and uh, anymore so now we can push the we can push the technology forward like you know because everybody's on the vpn everybody's working from home mm -hmm. like that so i totally get what you're saying and with the industries like what, those industry who have been been eating off us for years and years and years they're bloated like those airlines they've been eating off us with those bag fees maintenance fees and air, airlines are airlines have been eating bro like like, I don't understand how they need bailouts when they, they, they're constantly overcharging us for flights, you know, and overbooking, you know, double selling seats. And, and I just don't get how when something goes bad, they immediately jump in. Like, let's say the airlines. Let's say the airlines. We got to say the airlines. Like, yeah. I, you know, you think you look at some of these airlines and how much money they bring in. Like, have money for situations like this. But, you know, they apply for these loans and, and they get them. And for them, it's like, you know, we'd rather apply for these loans and not, and not have to go into our savings. Uh, 
and we'll pay back the loan over what, 20 years uh, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, there is a bit of, you know, these uh, seeing these companies kind of not go under, but kind of struggle. Uh, and they can really, you know, continue to pay and, 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 and tap into their reserves to get through this time. But uh, they're using government funds, which could be, you know, used for something else really kind of sits kind of uh, on the bad side with me uh, when I look at certain companies. Uh, I know. So, I, and I think airlines is one of them, uh, simply for the fact that I know how much money airlines bring in and and how much money they have when you talk about reserves and that they put to the side for situations like this to uh, sustain uh, unemployment levels and sustain operations, uh, you know, when they come out of it. And, and so it's, it's, it's kind of mind blowing to see them preparing to furlough these massive amounts of people or lay off these massive, massive amounts of people, even after receiving uh bailout money and not having to spend their reserves. So. Yeah. I told you, you know, I told you, I talked about it before on the podcast. It's like, you know, these these airlines, they've been, like I said, they've been making all this money for years and years and years. And as soon as something happened, they're the first in line to try to get money. And that made me realize, like, you know, I know we never really thought about it, but, you know, they always try to say you don't want to live check to check. But we just realized that the country itself been living from month to month. We went. Yeah. We went basically hit the we hit the virus hit us you know early early March and you know first of May they like look we got it. we need money like yeah we if you don't give us this money we gonna have to shut everything down travel yeah. and that affect like companies like like how do you feel about companies like like these travel well these bed and breakfast like Airbnb that was like one of the one of the biggest companies probably look on the verge of going hitting the IPO then I know they had hit a couple of raises and then all of a sudden you know this happens and it's like. <sighs> like now we got to switch. Like you got Airbnb, you got Uber and Lyft and all these companies that are really relying on people traveling and moving. And then all of a sudden they, you know, you hit this and nobody's moving around. And now they, you're seeing these big companies having to pivot and try to, you know, go. Cause I just saw that, you know, Uber bought into, bought, uh, I think Postmates. Postmates. Oh, Postmates. And so that diversified their portfolio. So they no longer just totally relying on ride share and, and, mm-hmm into the eating industry and a lot of these companies trying to pivot and trying to find ways and like I said this virus is basically it's going to show it's it's going to kill off the week you know it's going to kill off the week because these companies who have been struggling for a long period of time mm-hmm. they're hanging on by the thread the virus shut that down and killed them off and it just the stronger company is going to survive and it's going to be new companies that come from this and they're going to be the next you know you know, Uber or the next Facebook or, so, or something bigger or something better or something. Because like every every few decades, something comes along to knock off something else. Like we knew at one point in time, Sears was the number one company probably in the world. And then all of a sudden it goes under and then you have Amazon, the springboard over over Walmart. You know, you have Walmart come along, kill out Kmart. And then now you have Amazon and trying to, Amazon is reshaping how we think about you know, logistics like like I, like I'm not mad at him for being you know Jeff Bezos for being a, a trillionaire or whatever he is now uh, because he, he he took a loss for ten years 
just selling books. You go from selling books to, you know, you have the number one logistic company in the world. So you have to, you got you to applaud that, but it's just how he go about, you know, what is he doing with that funds once you kind of, you got all that money, what are you doing with it? Are you investing it back into the people? Like, what are you doing with those funds? That's what I, that's what my thing come in. Like, are you, are you putting back into these communities that you're taking from daily? Are you paying your employees who are actually working in these factories, especially during the COVID? Cause you know, they haven't shut down. Cause basically if you think about now, if Walmart or Amazon shut down, the world will kind of come to a real halt because you can do anything to your house because they yeah, they got their tentacles and everything. They're into the, the, the food market. They're into the Whole Foods. They're the Amazon Fresh. You know, they got all these, they're into all these different markets and we don't really realize it until it stops coming to you and then you have to kind of go back out there. Mm-hmm. But you on a tangent. So I know we went through, you know, you got your app, you got your, you got your watch list, you, you, you purchased something, um, you've been able to get out of it, you made a profit or you, you got out, if you had a loss, you kind of went back in and you do those type of things. Now, let's, I know we talked about it in earlier, let's, let's move over to this. I know we got a little time here to try to get it in real quick. Like, right. uh, how do you, how do you go about, you know, transitioning from, okay, I've been, I've, I'm, I'm no longer, I'm still an amateur, but I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm up a level above amateur now. Now I want to do some trading. You know, I want to, I want to do some, some option trading, like how mm-hmm. that transition to the option trading and would you rather do option trading versus just regular buy and sell? How, how does that, how do you think about that when it comes down to um, my- I would say about 80% of what I do, well, what I've been doing has been options versus just buying the stock. Uh, and options work similar to uh, it's a good example. Um, like let's say you want to um, purchase, put something on. I guess you could say put something on layaway, right? Uh, so so options is basically like putting something on layaway. Uh, so let's say I go into a store and I see a TV that I want to purchase, right? A TV is a thousand dollars. Now. Uh, Prices don't move this fast in the real world, but let's just say they say, all right, the TV is $1,000, but every day the price is going to change on it. So in my head, I said, okay, I don't have the $1,000 to pay for the TV right now, but, uh, you know, let's sign a contract and I'll give you some money that I can come back in a month and I can purchase the TV for for $1,000. And the person says, okay, uh, give us $100 today. And then in a month, you can come back and purchase a TV for $1,000. So that's, I just bought an option contract, right? So now I just, I just signed a contract. I paid them $100. They gave me the contract and I can walk back in the store anytime between now and a month from now and purchase that TV for $1,000. Now let's just say the TV, uh, the, the price of the TV goes up to 2000 right? Um, whoever makes the TV, the factory catches on fire and all the TVs caught on fire except for this one TV. So the price of it is $2,000. And it's two weeks later. Right? I can walk in that store and give them $1,000 and walk away with that $2,000 TV. Right? That's, that's options, right? Because I put down a premium early to purchase that TV by a certain amount of time, I can walk in that store at any time and purchase that TV for that price. So the price of the TV can go up to 10,000. It can go up to 20,000. I walk in that store before that 30 days is over with, I can purchase that TV for $1,000, all right? So the way you win with the options, right? I, I, I gave them $100, I walk in, um, let's just call it a month later, they'll say the TV's 
uh, priced at two thousand. I purchased the TV for a thousand. I sell it on the street for two thousand. I just pocketed an extra thousand dollars. Right by putting a hundred dollars down, I just made an extra thousand dollars. Now let's just say. Because I own a contract, it's a piece of paper, it's a contract, it is transferable. Uh, just like, you know, uh, some contracts are, they're transferable. Like if I have a contract with somebody and I no longer want the contract, I could transfer the contract. You know, let's just say I have a family member I want to transfer it to or a friend I want to transfer it to, just write it over. Now they have the contract with the person. So let's just say I paid $100 because that's how much the contract was to purchase it for $1,000 in 30 days. So I come in the store the next day and the TV's worth $2,000, right? So let's just say I go back to the person and I'm like, so I want to purchase this TV uh, for $1,000 within 30 days. You know, how much do I have to put down? It's not going to be $100 anymore, right? They're going to say, all right, the TVs are worth at least $1,000 more. So we're going to add $1,000 onto whatever we, we offer you. And then we might add a little bit more because you got from now until the end of the month. So they may say, all right, the, the price of it is 2000 but to purchase it for 1000 is is going to call, you got to put down at least 1500 right? Because the price could go up to 3000 right? They don't know, I don't know. So they say, give us 1500 and in 30 days, we'll let you purchase this for 1000 right? So I give them 1500 right? And then 30 days from now, if the price goes up to 3000 I can still purchase it for 1000 Now, I, I purchased it for 1000 out of pocket totally. I'm out $2,500 because I gave them $1,500 and I purchased it for 1000 but I got a $3,000 TV. Now, with that example, the first person walked in on the first day. The TV was $1,000. He paid him $100 to get the TV for $1,000 by the end of the month. The second person walked in on the second day. The TV was $2,000. He paid them $1,500 to be able to purchase the TV for $1,000 by the end of the month. Now, what could have happened was the person that walked in on the first day, which is me, um, saw the TV was $1,000. I said, hey, hold that TV. I'm going to give you $100 to the end of the month. Then I'll give you $1,000 for that TV. If I walked in the second day, the same time the other guy was walking in, he saw that TV he like, man, I want that TV, but I don't got the money, but I want to, you know, I want to lock in the price. I say, you know what? I got a contract here. You know, they're, they're charging 1500 to be able to purchase for a thousand. You can buy my contract. Right. And so now the day before I gave them a hundred, this person wants the same price as I do, but the current price is higher. So he's going to pay more for the contract. So I give him my contract, but he gives me fifteen hundred. Mm, so that's how you get your bread. That's how you get your bread up in options. That's how most people do options. Uh, that's you know that's taking a little bit of money and controlling a large amount of the, the shares. Right? Uh, when you take an option contract, you actually control a hundred shares worth of the company. So whatever that thousand dollars equal to. A uh, hundred shares, uh, so that's ten dollars a share. So let's just say there's a hundred shares worth. There's ten dollar. There's a hundred ten dollar shares in that TV, and so I buy one contract. That means I got a hundred shares 
of that TV, which is $10 a piece, so it's $1,000. Um, so again, and I know it's it's a lot to follow uh, because options take some time to, to understand them, but once you understand them, it's really simple. Uh, so again, you could make a down payment, hold it for um, a month, hoping that the price goes past what you are asking them to hold it for, buy it and then resell it for more. That's how you profit. You can come in, give them $100 to hold it for a thousand. If it goes up the next day and now people are well, willing to pay more for that $100 contract you pay, you can sell that $100 contract to somebody else, transfer it to somebody else, they give you that money. All right, so I paid 100, somebody transferred me, you know, let's just say the price went up and they wanna pay a thousand. Now that thousand dollar contract is worth 200. I say, hey, I got a contract here, you can purchase it. I give them the contract, they give me $200. Now I just made a net of, now I just made $200 off my initial $100 investment. Um, so that's the second way you can make uh, money off of options. And then, so I think that's, yeah, purchase, you know, purchase contracts, sell it for later. Uh, purchase the contract, sell the contract for a higher price. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so those are the two ways you can make money off of options. Um, you know, the, I guess the third kind of out on an option is not making money. But if you were to buy a contract with somebody uh, and then the price doesn't get to the agreed upon price. So let's just say I gave you $100 to purchase it for 1000 And then in 30 days, the TV is only worth 800 I'm not going to give you 1000 for the TV. I'm just going to let the, the, the contract expire worthless. And then I'm going to come back and buy the TV for 800 All right, so... Those are kind of your three ways. Those are three ways that options uh, kind of pan out. Uh, but you can see, you know, taking a hundred dollars, um, the price goes up quickly. That same contract you purchased for a hundred dollars now is going for even more. You can sell that, sell or transfer that contract to somebody else and put that difference in your pocket. That's how the majority of people trade contracts. Uh, in, so, in options, trade options. Would you say it's more beneficial for a beginner to start with options because it's a little bit more, you know, has a little bit more knowledge, but at the same time, you're probably making more on a buy sale or just buying regular individual shares one at a time and trying to, you know, learn that way, then flipping over to the options. Um, I would say, you know, starting out just to, to learn, uh, to get your feet wet, buy to, to buy some shares, right? Buy, purchase some shares, sell some shares, just to see how that whole process works. Because options takes a different skill level, uh, in addition to what you have, uh, your knowledge in purchasing and, and selling shares. Options is, you know, you have to you have to look at a little bit more than just, you know, all right, I like the company. Um, you have to kind of take into consideration how much the price is going to move between a certain time frame um, and, you know, where are my entry and exit points? You really have to be kind of, uh, you know, you have to be active when you're trading options, uh, especially in the short term. So I would suggest anybody getting started, uh, you know, looking to buying and selling the shares uh, versus options, but definitely learn options quick. Right, because not only do options give you an opportunity to invest a small amount of capital and control 
a large amount of a position, it also opens your eyes up to what's going on on the back end uh, with, with companies. And so, for example, you'll see, sometimes you'll see the share price going down, but the contract price for a specific uh, strike price in an option is going up, right? And, and, and it kind of, it's weird. Like, why is the price going up, but the stock price is going down? So that just opens your eyes up to, hey, there may be something else going on behind the scenes, right? And that's that's a whole nother topic you could, you could spend on talking about the psychology and the, the, the war that goes on behind the scenes of a stock price that people with large amounts of money uh, play. All right, so, uh, but again, once you equip yourself with the knowledge of options and have the ability to trade options, uh, looking at options and the stock price opens you up to a whole different kind of world and, and knowledge. So I would suggest, you know, learning it um, as quickly as possible, because again, uh, you can purchase, uh, you know, the ability to control a hundred shares of a company that you, for a small amount that you may not be able to own a hundred shares of it. But as the share price goes up, the, the contract price goes up and you could sell those contracts as well. So, okay, cool. I know, uh, I know we got to wrap it up here soon. So I'll just, I know we've been giving some, some great gems that you've been talking about, about the stock market. I know it's deep and it's, 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 it's forever. It's, it's a lot, man. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I can, because I've done it so long, I could, man, I could go on and on and on and on and talk about it. And I get excited about it. And there's so many corners that I can hit when I talk about it, but it is a lot. And I try to break it down to people as slowly as possible. Uh, so, but I do recommend that, you know, people watching this or, or listening to this, hit the rewind button, you know, uh, and you can, you know, listen to it over and over again, right? Because I don't think we do enough of just absorbing the information, so. Absolutely. And like I said, um, I will try to wrap it up in a few seconds, but I just want, I definitely want to get this in because I know I see a lot of this come across my timeline, you know, quickly what is your thought what is your what is your how do you feel about people when they're promoting forex or is it is it forex it's forex right forex for people promoting it and saying they're making so much money on it can you give a quick description of what it is and do you feel like it's a scam when people are actually talking about it and pushing it trying to join their team and things like that because i know if it's coming across my timeline it's coming across other people's timeline and if you don't know about it you'll jump in it and spend your money and you'll kind of get caught on the hook not knowing what's going okay. on okay so uh foreign exchange is basically your, your trading currency against currency which is all legal it's all legit um you know you have people that specialize in doing it and so it's another way of making, you know, making money, right? I was above the end. I'm, I'm starting to, my profit is starting to increase. So then I can sell it. Right? It's the exact same thing. So it's, it's all legit. It's just a different, avenue of investing and trading now with the forex groups if if they're providing knowledge and you're paying for the knowledge and it's something that you can take away and walk away with and produce it on your own uh i'm all for it if someone says hey you know the only way you can make money is bring more people in 
you know, we're we're gonna, you know, you pay this price and you get our uh, you get our uh, alerts. Like we're not, you know, they don't teach you how to do it, but they're just giving you alerts, right? Um, I'm not I'm not a big supporter of that uh, because again, it doesn't teach you uh, this. You know, this stock market, this this investing thing is it, it allows you to be a ton, you know, to to work you know, by yourself, right? You can, you can be anywhere doing it, but if you have to connect yourself to someone and wait on them to give you something in order to make money, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big supporter of that. I'm not a big supporter of paying into a, something that doesn't teach me the tools that I need to then walk away and do it on my own. All right. So, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, I haven't come across a Forex group that I thought was legit yet. So, uh, and I've come across quite a few. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Coming across my timeline, I know it's going across everybody's timeline because yeah. as at home, everybody's hitting like. And so the algorithm is probably pushing it to more people because these people are joining groups and spending $40, $50. And it might not seem like a lot, but if you're getting $40, $50 from 10 to 15, 20 different people, you yourself at the top of the Ponzi scam, you're making all the money and you're mm-hmm. not the information and people like they get in they're excited and then all of a sudden two weeks later they're like man what's going on i really don't know what i'm doing so yeah just wrap up everything that we talked about you know we, we got you with your brokerage we got you with your apps we got you with your watch list how to look around your home get you some watch lists together uh, more or less going about you know hitting that button going to buy buying at the right number that you want to buy it, not just hitting buy like me and just buying and just letting shares come to you however they come to you buying at a certain price that you want to get in getting out at a certain price, um, not necessarily losing the money, but you know what I'm saying? If you know that you're losing, but you have a have a, a strategy in your head that if something goes to a certain number, I know I need to get out. But if something goes up to a certain number, I need to get out as well. So just all about, you know, just listening to you, just all about having a strategy in place mm-hmm. before you even get into something. Not necessarily just seeing something come across your, your watch list and you see it, you buy it, and you kind of get into it and you don't really understand what you just bought. And then having to go through that struggle of trying to get out of it and not, and losing money on the back end side. Also wrapping it up with that with that um, you know, trading options and that could be a whole. We might have to do a part two to come back and just talk about doing. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be now. Even do a challenge like I was even thinking about doing like a challenge to say, what's the pair of what's I don't know what's the price of pair of jewelry like two hundred dollars or something two twenty five. Take that two twenty five over the next two or three weeks and just see how you know. Instead of buying, you know, somebody's like, hey, instead of waiting in line and buying a pair of Jordans, let's take that money and let's spread it across Nike, you know, Adidas or some other, you know, mm-hmm. apparel company that could possibly make you more money than just, you know, buying those shoes, wearing them. And then all of a sudden you're trying to flip them on StockX or whatever try to, app you're trying to flip it on and you're losing money, you know, versus putting it in the stock market and teaching yourself and you've been able to fish for a lot longer. So, right, right, right. So what we'll do is, um, I know you got, you know, if you're working on anything, you know, here's an opportunity for you to kind of push out. If you got any classes or anything that you got going on, you know, please let the people know about it. And, your, you know, give me your, 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 time, your handles and things. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, you know, I do every Sunday. I do a stock market Sunday. Uh, right now we're doing it on Instagram. But we're going to move it to YouTube. But you can follow me on Instagram at The Black Nerd. That's T-H-E-B-L-K-N-R-D. Um you know, and then we have a group uh, chat. Uh, we, you, you mentioned it earlier. We have a group chat. It's about, we got about 220 people, 230 people in it. Uh, again, we got people of all different uh, experience levels. And so, uh, you know, there's always somebody in there to help you, to answer your questions. Uh, send me a, uh, 
you know, you can send me a direct message through Instagram. I'll send you the link to the group chat. Uh, I'm in the process of um, changing it. Uh, I think it'll be very beneficial for the group. Um, so, but still send me that, uh, you know, direct message. I'll give you the link for the group chat. Um, like I said, we're, you know, again, we're every Sunday we're on, we're on Instagram. So look out for us. Um, you know, we're going to start back uh, doing classes. And it's funny you mentioned, um, you know, I'm, going to put together a, uh, a challenge, um, kind of a challenge pilot uh, to see how it goes with, with a group of people. And then I may push it out to more people, but it'll be, it'll be coursework um, to, you know, kind of handhold people and get them over the fear of investing and actually make some, some very, some, some lucrative, you know, some, some, I won't say lucrative because that's the plan. Uh, everything isn't lucrative, but to make some good sound investments. Um, and so uh, that, that'll be coming out. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. And, you know, we'll definitely have to get back on here and do a part two, whether we talk about options or we talk about playing the downside to the market, which is very beneficial in knowing uh, because, again, it opens up another kind of thought process behind investing, uh, playing the downside. And it's probably something we all should know uh, because of what we're in, you know, because of the situation we're in. But yeah, we'll definitely have to jump back on here and do another one. Definitely, because I definitely want to kind of, you know, we didn't get a chance because we got to go over. I don't want to go over too much time. We got, you know, things to do tomorrow. So I definitely want to talk about like SAPs, SAP 500s and all that good stuff. So that's an opportunity for us to kind of jump back in here. Well, I'll get that link from you and put it in the show notes and we'll, you know, make sure everybody get an opportunity. If they want to join, please join. Uh, I want to, you know, I bring him on because he's like, like I said, he's been, you know, teaching me and showing me and introducing me to new things. So like you got to have, you know, your five, you guys are going to be the average of your five best friends. So if your five best friends are actually doing well, and doing great and you're going to be the sixth person but if you're hanging around five people or doing just nothing hanging on a tree you're going to be the sixth person so you have to control your circle and make sure your circle have you know some people with some knowledge and some some uh, some wealth to kind of push you forward to make you want to do forward and inspire to do better with your life so uh, with that I go ahead and conclude and wrap it up I appreciate you guys checking us out you know once again this is your boy Frank Nitty this is Dope Vision Experience Virtual Tour come back and check us out in the future man and, and make sure you check out those show notes and, and, and link up with J-Hub on Instagram. So if you have any questions, you can hit me or hit him. Appreciate you guys. Until next time, I'll let your boy. This is Frank Nitty. I'm out. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to grab some merch, canvas prints for your home or office, or see the full link video from this episode, please visit DoVision.com. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at DoVisionSF. Also, send me an email of someone you'd like to hear on the podcast at dovisionsf at gmail.com. Also, please join the Dovision Club at patreon.com forward slash dovision for early access to the content and some of the behind the scenes look of some of the episodes that I create. While you're listening, don't forget to hit, hit the subscribe button and comment on the podcast as well as my YouTube channel and turn on those post notifications so that you'll be notified each and every time I drop a new episode. Thanks for listening and remember, collaboration over competition. Until next time, this your boy Frank Nitty and I'm out.